0: I should laugh But I cry Because your love Has passed me by You took me by surprise You didn't realize That I was waiting Time goes slowly But it carries on And now the best have the charming boy, you took me by surprise I didn't realize that you were laughing My you're doing you do to me thing, take the it should be You took away everything I had, you put the hurt on me You took away everything I had, you put the lid
1: on me. You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. The following podcast about film often contains foul language, discussions of an adult nature, and spoilers for the films discussed are to be expected. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed
0: on sight!
1: All right. It is They Must Be Destroyed On Site, Episode Hundred and Ninety Eight. Well, we're getting close to two hundred here. Very, very close. Getting there. Getting there. Yeah. If we if we survive long enough, uh, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll yeah. make it.
2: If we live.
1: <laughs> I, I, I love I love um I was listening to
2: like news podcasts from like two or three weeks ago and like the priorities of like everything have just shifted. It's just completely different now. Yeah, you know, we're we're living in a, a different era. A different era.
1: So, yeah, yeah. You know. To uh sort of roll in this era. Uh, I'm your host, Lee. His jests are cruel, and his smiles are false, Russell. And those dulcet tones you heard coming uh, from your speakers is my co-host, Daniel, allows ruffians at Southwark Fair greater liberties than his betrothed, Harper. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing well, and I do. Uh, do that, actually. So yeah, it's perfect. Mm, but, you like leaving the aristocracy and, uh, and slumming go around.
2: And going and slutting around just a little bit with the peasants. That's uh, that's <laughs> that's really the way to do it. Like, yeah, the, the, the role of sex in this film is uh, pretty fascinating. I guess there's a, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of unexpected
1: stuff in this. That, yeah, no, yeah. we're
2: we're we're gonna get there. We're gonna get
1: there. But. yeah, uh, so we are gonna be looking at in several ways kind of a both a, a key film in in film history, when, he, when you when talking about like sort of the transition from silent to talkies mm-hmm. and also its influences, but at the same time kind of maybe slotted in the background and forgotten in some ways as well. I think I, it was kind I'd of say... a lost
2: film for a while, so I think that you know kind of people remembered the visuals and people kind of had the you know the, the idea of it. but like it's been much more influential in terms of its uh, visual style than about anything like about the film. Like I kind of knew the film by reputation. We really didn't know, I just said, "Oh, yeah, I've heard of this one. Let's throw it on the list, not really knowing what yeah. we are getting ourselves into, um but uh, uh, I think I think it's a fun conversation regardless,
1: yeah, uh, so the man who laughs uh from nineteen twenty eight we will be getting into that, but before we do that, we got a few we actually have a lot of housekeeping to get through here um. First off, I'm just going to briefly mention that our friend and uh, fellow podcaster who's also guested on this podcast, Kit Power, just recently did an episode of The Projection Booth, uh, which was covering Tommy, the Ken Russell film. And of course, Kit Power, because of us. Like let, let's let's yeah. face it, it, it's 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 because of us that this yeah. happened for him. He um, he he wrote a book on that movie and uh, how that movie has shaped his uh, life. He did a really good guest spot on the Projection Booth, not the usual boring Talking Heads. We got fucking right. Kit Power here, fucking right. well, dropping knowledge. I think that's kind of like you know in Goodfellas when you know like Tommy being made is like we were made too. Like I feel like that's mm-hmm. you know
2: we've been made. Like Kit's been on the projection booth, and so
1: it's like we've been on the projection booth. But you know. I'm pretty sure he probably mentioned us, and that fucking motherfucker Mike White just like edited that because he <laughs> edits those things right down to you know the bone. So right, yeah. So yeah. So you. So you're welcome, Kit. You, there you go. Get back on this podcast soon. That's all. Yeah, I gotta definitely, say. definitely. We wanna, yeah, we want to see you. We have a lot of comments here. We're going to start out with the YouTube comments uh, because that's where most of them are coming from this time around. On our episode, uh, The General, uh, Nage37 says, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing this on a big screen with live musical accompaniment, which was quite entertaining. I myself will be playing in a ragtime ensemble providing music to Buster Keaton's film one week. I have uh, the authentic silent movie experience with live sound. It's always an enjoyable time.
2: I can that w- I would really love to see a lot of these films with uh, an audience in live sound, honestly. Uh-huh. I think it would be a really great uh, thing to get to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, also on the general, uh, someone named uh, Rotunda57 said, I had the pleasure of first seeing this one in 8th grade history class. Our teacher was a train buff and had this one on 16mm film. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. uh, This is my first exposure to Buster Keaton. Or was my first exposure to Buster Keaton. You could use a few more frames from the actual movie here. There's only one. Buster died in 66, so he shouldn't mind. He's talking about the video version I put up on YouTube, which... Of course to put something there instead of a blank screen I tend to put a couple frames from the film scattered along you know the length of the podcast the reason I don't put a lot up there is because just putting a few frames up there exponentially increases the size of the uh, of the video right, right, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's for my, my my work time that that's more for me <laughs> that's for that's for my convenience is worth more than you know putting up four extra frames from a movie uh, yeah you know. And, like, uh, like, honestly, even for, like, two extra pictures would be... Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. It's amazing how video compression works, but what mm-hmm. uh, works. Uh, on our episode for the cheerleaders, this is uh, Rotunda57 again. It says, at 21 minutes, the hamburger stand cook is wearing a hat-printed Mike's Carousel. This was the real name of this place, which is now long gone. There's an office building on that corner now. The other buildings around it are still standing. Corner of Mitchell and Los Gatos, apparently, is where this is. So, uh, yeah, cool. Awesome. A little bit of trivia. Trivia. Yeah, On our Covered Wagon episode, someone called uh, David Winstrom says, Always love listening to you guys for some weekend entertainment. I'll absolutely watch the Covered Wagon since I need to catch up on movies from this era. Oh, thank you. Part of the reason reason we're doing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, On our Truck Turner episode... (laughs) Go ahead. Someone called Yin-Lai Yang says, And here I thought this was the actual movie. Shame (laughs) on me. And that's just that. Just yeah. this, this comment for me. I, I was just I, I didn't reply saying this, but my instant thought was just Chef's kiss. Just yep. yep. You, you nailed it.
2: The, the thing is now I don't know if people are doing it ironically or not. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't we know. make Such a meme out of it.
1: <laughs> Yin, lie, Yang, bullshit name, bullshit name. No one's named that. I don't know. <laughs> Probably like a hundred million people are making Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh on our the Rundown episode Fuck you, John Smith. Nobody John Smith. Fucking John Smith. Um on our episode on the rundown, uh someone called Nature Love says Boring, I want the full movie. Well okay. go rent it, motherfucker. Go buy it. it. It's it's uh, not hard to find. No, it's streaming everywhere, just not YouTube. It's probably still on YouTube somewhere. Bits of it are on YouTube, I know. know. Yeah. Moving from there, we go to our Facebook comments. Derek Bourgois says, uh, and and these are all in relation to uh, The Man Who Laughs. He says, such an iconic film that influenced the look for one of the most iconic comic cinema villains of all time. Can't wait to listen. And clearly, uh, he's referring to The Riddler there. The Riddler, yes. Yeah. David Wilt says, uh, and he just David Wilt gotta love him. Says this movie is said to be the inspiration for the Batman antagonist, the Joker. Yes, indeed. Yep, yep, yeah. And here's a great comment. Always just astute and uh, observant, and just on point. Our friend James Slater Murphy. This is a silent film. No dialogue was recorded for it. <laughs> I just which technically is not true. Mm. That's the thing. You're yeah. kind of lying here, James. Yeah, no,
2: no. That's that's uh, yeah, no. James fucked up on that one.
1: Mm. Yeah, we'll get but, to that. We'll elucidate you, sir, very, very soon. But uh, thanks for the comment anyway. Uh, It made me laugh quite a bit. (laughs) I think we might be able to, like, I think we might be able
2: to give him credit with the term dialogue there. Yeah, that's true. It's hardly possible that, like, if we're considering the sound in the film, whether or not it's actually spoken dialogue is a a question. But, again, that's a
1: a point we're going to get to, I think.
2: That's we, when we talk about the film itself, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so moving on, uh, just briefly going to mention something that I watched, and... Oh, no, wait, I got one more comment here, actually. Yeah, so uh, this is from someone you know, and you shared this on our private chat yes. and Twitter. Yes. Uh,
2: um, yeah, this is someone I know uh, from the Doctor Who fandom uh, era. Uh, when I was talking about Doctor Who on the internet, um, which I don't anymore, but yeah. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and I don't know if this person has any sort of handle. Uh, uh, it's a, a Kazan, I believe, K-A-Z-I-N. Okay, uh, on Twitter, he says, "Hey, I started listening to Regular TMB DOS a while ago, and just wanted to let you know I really enjoy it. I've seen very few, but some of the silent movies you've covered thus far, and it's interesting hearing about them from someone who isn't." the very bored Film 101 professor I had at CMU like 15 years ago. Wasn't sure where to share this with you since I don't have the uh, Facebook. Hope this was all right. And yes, indeed, that's all right. Thanks very much. Glad you're enjoying the episodes.
2: Yeah, no, and and that's a lot of, uh, also the uh, handle I just looked it up. It's at KazanHoo, K-A-Z-A-N-Hoo. Uh, If you want to go follow them, uh, they're a fun little Twitter account to follow if you're a Doctor Who fan, which I think some of our audience is. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, you know, the thing with like kind of looking at old films like this is that they kind of, people kind of make them seem like homework, (laughs) you know, like you kind of read about them in class, you kind of like kind of have to sit and like it comes in this kind of like glossy presentation and this sort of. You know, oh, you're gonna have to sit and kind of watch this thing, and it's very old, and you know, it's not. And I think part of the thing with like, especially starting as early as we did, and kind of seeing the progression of like how how quickly these get really familiar and how quickly they mm-hmm. get, you know, really... Uh, but also, you know, that's the point of us kind of coming and taking a slightly irreverent take and not kind of talking about kind of the deep film history of the, you know, I mean, a lot right. of the point is to just kind of absorb them as films and kind of go like, yeah, that that's actually quite good. Or, you know, <laughs> lots of that shit was real boring. <laughs> you know, or, you know, just yeah, them kind of yeah. like... Like movies, and uh, I think that there there is you know there is a point of uh, you know the audience at the time was certainly not thinking, you know like well, I'm sitting in a model well, that's pivotal in the film history. <laughs> <You
0: know? Yeah.
1: laughs> It's the same thing with you know required reading, like in English class or whatever, where you get these some of these books that are legit great books, but you don't appreciate them because you're forced to read them, right? Right. Or you're, yep. you're forced to watch a movie, like like I was saying when we did the uh, Battleship Potemkin uh, episode, a lot of the criticism I saw on uh, Letterboxed was I watched this for my fucking movie class, my film class, and it was boring. I get it, you know, he's he's he's, <laughs> he's he's got some film techniques going on, montage, yada yada yada. Or it was, you know, fucking comedy propaganda.
2: I mean, it is. Don't, don't Yeah, don't it do is, wrong. but it's you it's know. not
1: not well, in the way they more mean to do it. it. it than that. I mean, I think anytime that you kind of have to
2: like take a quiz about something, you're just going to inherently like enjoy it less. Yeah. Unless you're of person who really likes taking quizzes. If you like take SAT prep courses for fun, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. I think that's probably. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people do.
1: <laughs> you know, like, well, I mean, t- you're you're kind of varying the lead here because we were about to announce uh, the fact that we're going to uh, introduce a quiz every week on our Facebook page.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: and you don't get to listen to the
2: next episode. And you you get at least a passing grade on that's the, the paywall.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no cheating. <laughs> no. No cheating. No. No, you can't Google this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't. You can't do the extent of research that I do, which is like the IMDb trivia page. You, you can't do that shit. No, that's it. Uh, I, I'm now just waiting for one of our fans to start writing a quiz. At the <laughs> <end>. <laughs> well, if somebody does that, we will read it on here. We will. We will read it. Yeah. Just don't expect us to give the right answers. So I'll just mention one thing I watched, and this was not planned, but this actually kind of ties into this film, uh, strangely enough. I've watched a lot of shit in the last week or so that we didn't record, um, but this sort of stood out. It's Brian De Palma's uh, 2006 uh, The Black Dahlia. Yeah. Great cast, like uh, Josh Hartnett, Scarlett Johansson, yep. Aaron Eckhart, Hilary Swank. Great cast, terrible movie. <laughs> it's 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 about the murder of Elizabeth Short, you know, the actress, and she was given the uh, Glasgow smile in, in part of her mutilation. You know, right, she right. like she she had worse things done to her, but uh, that was one of the things that was done to her and suspected that that was actually the thing that killed her, that she bled from that and bled out, right? It's, it's a film that tries to be L.A. Confidential and just fails on every fucking level because every three seconds they're like, look how fucking noir we are, motherfucker. It's just... It, 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 and the, some, the performances range from, oh, Scarlett Johansson in this scene is really, really good, and then it moves to, oh, Scarlett Johansson in this scene is hammy as fuck and super big... It's such a misstep, like everything in this film is just kind of terrible like <laughs> there there's little moments of brilliance sprinkled around, but then you just like, I'd rather watch l a confidential i'm I'm just thinking like well, yeah, yeah, and l a confidential is a legitimately brilliant film, <laughs>
2: mm. <laughs> you know, so yes. But, I mean, it's oh, a shame, yeah. because,
1: you know, it. it they, they fucked with this one big time. And, and I don't
2: think I ever saw that one all the way through. I think I saw, I've i seen bits and pieces of it. It's one of those sort of, like, oh, that looks interesting. Would love to see, you know, kind of a, like, Ellie Confidential. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. Kind of thinking, oh, it's kind of like that. And then saw the reviews and went, like, oh, well, that's going to be a bunch of bullshit. So.
1: Too many twists and turns, too. Like, it, it just keeps...
2: I feel like the Palma kind of like leaned into that, especially in that era when he was, you know, kind of in the later part of his career. Like, mm-hmm. like, he kind of went for, like, we're going to do crazy, you know, plots. And we're kind of like, there is a sort of like slapstick meta narrative thing that I think he was trying to go for. Like, in something like Femme Fatale, which mm-hmm. is a, like, let's do body heat but like you know with it's a lot let's of do that body heat cross with showgirls kind of you know yeah you know yeah um, yeah and so I haven't and now I, now I kind of want to see the black Dahlia just to see uh, how how uh, how messed up it gets I don't think we've done any de Palma on this podcast I feel like no we haven't uh, that's a uh, that's a thing we're gonna need to uh, address at some point
1: once we hit the seventies, we'll, yeah, if uh, we'll we have to fix hit the that. Seventies, because you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. I feel like this movie might have killed Josh Hartnett, Hillary Swank's careers for a few years. Like yeah. I think it might have, and it's it's a shame because Hillary Swank is really really good in this. Josh Hartnett is just like he's Josh Hartnett, but um, right. yeah. Um, You know, wouldn't it be –
2: the the irony is that, you know, everybody's, like, uh, you know, sheltering in place right now. Everybody, you know, people are, like, keeping social distance. So, hypothetically, people should be listening to more podcasts and sort of like getting involved. Like, this is, like – this is a thing I've seen people kind of talk about the numbers and, like, podcast numbers are, like, the one thing that's going up for podcasts because people are sitting at home listening to podcasts. And That would be great, except both you and I work in quote unquote essential industries. And yeah. And actually have the time to record more. So, like, yeah. I mean, I could just imagine if you and I could just, like, yeah, we'll just make this a daily podcast for a while because we've
0: got nothing else to do.
1: If I was, you know, if they, if they told me we're closing the store for two weeks, I'd probably do that. Like, yeah. I mean, why not? But alas, um, we're not, you know, we're not going to be starting our Patreon anytime soon, uh, no, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, our paywall is still just a bunch of skill t- testing questions. I guess yeah. is, is what it is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're it's going to be it's going to be nine movie questions, and then a differential
2: equation is number ten. Solve <laughs> <a>
0: differential equation. <laughs> you got to
2: solve this line integral before uh, you get to listen to the next episode. <laughs> I'm going to make you calculate a trajectory.
1: Oh, boy. Yeah, a symbol so... this nanoparticle made out of proteins. <laughs> Stop it. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some music and some podcast promos, and we're going to come back and talk about The Man Who Laughs. <sighs>
2: at gohpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me.
1: Right. The Man Who Laughs from 1928, directed by Paul Linney, uh, who is also known for Waxworks from 1924. Don't confuse that with the various iterations of The House of Wax. Mm-hmm. Not the same thing, although there is sort of like horror elements in that, but it's much more a um, kind of an anthology film uh, in, in a way. It's it's about imagining the different sort of wax uh, figure displays and, and how the uh, protagonist would, you know, fit into the stories that he imagines. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Also known for The Cat and Canary from 1927. Nice little connection. Are we
2: sure that wasn't a porn movie? That feels like a 1927 porn film, doesn't it? The Cat and the Canary? Like, oh,
1: hello. Actually, I want it to be like a 1969 porn film starring Anne Margaret. Like, (laughs) you know. kitten with a whip, Cat and the Canary, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) that... (laughs) Nice little... <laughs> I just throw him completely off. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. N- nice little connection here, though. Th- little throwback to a previous episode. Uh, his work was apparently very influential on uh, Eisenstein. Because uh, mm. Paul Lenny is kind of known as a German expressionist uh, director. Although you don't see a lot of that in this film. There's, there's hints of it, but it's not as, you know... Like what people kind of think of as German Expressionism, kind of leaking Manny in here. Was influential on Eisenstein, or Eisenstein was influential on? No, I, he he influenced Eisenstein's uh, stuff. Oh, apparently, so uh, okay. yeah, he had a lot of credits. You know, he had like forty odd credits, I believe. But he died of blood poisoning, aged forty-four, unfortunately. Oh, Yeah. The writers for this, of course, is based on Victor Hugo's uh, work. He was a novelist and a playwright. He did The Hunchback of Notre Dame. uh, Les Miserables are the two big ones that everyone knows and have been adapted about a million times. The other writers on this, a couple of them have lengthy careers and then a couple of them are just like, oh, this is their one credit. But uh, we have uh, J. Grubb Alexander, Walter Anthony, May McLean, uh, Marion Ward, and Charles E. Whitaker. And we go to the cast here. We have Mary Philbin as Dea, And she is probably best known for her uh, co-starring role in Phantom of the Opera from 1924. Yep. And she lived up until 1993, but she is one of these uh, actresses who her career... Ended around the late twenties, I believe, and she yeah. Didn't... Her last film was in nineteen twenty nine. So yeah, and, she and had a life. She lived until nineteen. I
2: mean, you know, you know, she was a young starlet and then retired or whatever. Uh, you know. I didn't pa- look into the real story. Tell me, she, she, tell apparently
1: me she, she was... had kind of a sad life. Like she she had super religious parents, mm. and she went to Hollywood, and they kind of like uh, lorded over her her career, and she kind of lived the life of a. Spinster, more oh. than anything else, when she retired. Like, apparently, she was kind of semi-romantically involved with some of like the male uh, people in the industry that that she was, you know, bumping into in films. And but apparently, she just kind of lived a life of celibacy and you know, church going. So, you know, I mean, if well, that's her thing, if she was happy doing that, that's fine. But it sounds like it was more kind of like. And maybe she got kind of beaten down.
2: Yeah. Well, that's lovely.
1: Then we move to Conrad uh, Veidt, uh, who we've talked about before, of course, from the ca- Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 20 Waxworks. He's in that. 1924 fled Germany in 1933 and uh, made it big in Hollywood. He did like stuff like The Thief of Baghdad and Casablanca in yep. 42. And he is playing, of course, Gwynplaine. And uh, we have uh, Julius Molnar as Gwynplaine as a child, and that fuck that kid with that grin that creeped me the fuck out, man. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you that, like like a little porcelain doll or something, like just yep. fucking creep me out. Okay. Olga baklonova and we gotta we'll definitely see
2: some... be talking uh, about her and uh, <sighs> discussing more of her work. Are we
1: gonna be doing freaks in thirty two? I didn't put it on the list just because it's sort of
2: one of the obvious ones uh-huh. uh, but like we can certainly add it.
1: It feels like maybe we should do that because that's what she's best known for but she yep. apparently like all once she got into the the talkies her roles were mostly of like sort of the vamp and the horror right. and you yeah. know that kind of thing. So there might be some I'll have to look a bit deeper but there might be some kind of like Crime noirish stuff. She might have touched. I upon. definitely
2: want to do some some more of her stuff. So we can we I, we can definitely kind of you know make that happen.
1: But sure. man, she made an impression in this film. I gotta say, <laughs> holy fuck! Yes, I think. Indeed, I think, I think. I think at one point she had an orgasm on film, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Brandon Hurst as Barcole Fedro. sure. Sure. He's, he's the, the jester. Uh, he's the jester, yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, Caesar Gravana as Ursus. Stuart Holmes as Lord Durymore. Sam DeGrasse <laughs> is in no way worthy of uh, Baklanova in this film. No, he's the uh, powdered wigged fop. Powdered
2: wig fop, yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> Sam DeGrasse as King James II. George Sagraman as Dr. Hardquinone. I believe, is... Hard to quenone, yeah. Hard know. Yeah. Josephine Crowell as Queen Anne, Carl Olesi Hazur as the innkeeper, and oh, here we go, Zimbo the dog as Homo the wolf. <laughs> A wolf named man. That's the... Uh, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely different connotations in this right. era, yeah. but, I mean, <laughs> anyone watching it now, when when the line is said, be quiet, homo! <laughs> I mean, you, you can't help but laugh. That's yeah, just yeah, no. this is the way it's going to be. Um, so, synopsis here from someone called uh, Nick Reganus. says, Forever disfigured by a wide and mirthless grin on his face, the orphan son of a nobleman, Gwynplaine, rescues the blind baby girl, Dea in cold 17th century England. Taken in by the parental carnival philosopher, Ursus, the unloved boy grows into a kind and honest man who chooses, however, to hide his grotesque deformity behind a black cloak, utterly convinced that the beautiful Dea would never truly love him because of his horrible secret. Feeling unworthy of Dea's noble feelings, Gwynplaine uh, will soon cross paths with the aristocratic temptress Duchess Josiana, as a cruel and long-standing conspiracy in the palace of Queen Anne presents him with the burden of choice. Well, poor Gwynplaine, the man who laughs renounce everything in the name of love. And yeah, that's pretty good for for a film that has a, like a shit ton of plot in it. And
2: there's a, it's one of those that's got a lot of stuff going on and like, very like streamlined actual structure. Yeah, this movie is an hour and fifty minutes long, and it, it felt an hour and fifty minutes. It did. Uh, yeah. Um. You know. But you know, we can we can kind of get into that. I think. Um, yeah, so uh, your sort of general thoughts on it then? <clears throat> sure. I was, uh, you know, not, you know, again, didn't, you know, kind of knew it by reputation, kind of, oh, melodrama, 1920s, you know, inspiration for the Joker, et cetera. Yep. You know, okay, yeah, that'll be worth uh, checking out. You know, costume dramas and set in the 1650s are not like my, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, these kinds of, uh, these kinds of films, they, they do kind of, um, you know, they do warm me a bit just in terms of like, I don't necessarily want to watch a lot of that mm-hmm. um, but I think there's some really interesting stuff here I I mean obviously the thing that I think the film is best known for is its style mm-hmm. um, that is this extreme German expressionist look that makes people you know kind of think of this as a, as a horror film but like it it absolutely there, there's in no sense this is a horror film you
1: know no our our, <laughs> our friend uh, Jack Graham was telling us in our private uh, Twitter chat uh, basically yeah, a lot of people say this is a horror film having never really seen it and and right. it's, you know, it it's actually like a romantic melodrama for the most part.
2: Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's got a little bit of like swashbuckling at the end. It's got Yeah. Some, you know, it's got some romance, it's got some some sexy stuff. It's got some pretty good comedy in it. It's got some veiled anti-Semitism. Uh, you always want to see that in the film as well, <laughs> you know. A little, bit of, <laughs> just a little bit of, you know, the the leering presence of the hunchbacked man who was uh, Controlling the aristocracy from the side, you know, like, he's yeah, almost man. literally
1: got brackets around him. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I am
2: imagining in the original cut, they had like uh, this like optical effect where they just put parentheses around him. You know, from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's pretty. I mean, I I feel like this is an entertaining film. Mm-hmm. I really love the um some of the crowd sequences. Um, I love some of the camera work that's done <laughs> in terms of the kind of the mismatch, the slight. I don't even want to say mismatch. I feel like it's an interesting look. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of, like, if you remember that, like, Shining recut trailer from a few years ago where they recut Kubrick's The Shining to look like a like a romantic comedy. Yeah. And, like, this, like, like a, a boy and a man, you know, kind of finding you know, like, the fatherhood, you know, like, heartfelt you know, like thing. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt about this. It's like, you know, if this film didn't look this way, it would not be as well remembered. But it might be kind of Better understood for what it is, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, um, and yeah, I feel like the the kind of the 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 German expressionist style kind of lends a certain thematic weight to the sort of like politics that I think Hugo is trying to kind of reach, and like there there is a horrific element just to the fact that this is sort of the world in which we inhabit, sort of thing, yeah. Um, and I feel like that's kind of like the the strength of the film, really. If I if we're gonna kind of kind of lean into that, um, but so little, so much of that is also like. Uh, not necessarily, like in terms of the actions that the characters are actually taking, I feel like this feels like very flat for for big chunks of it. Like it does feel like very kind of theatrical and very um overwrought, uh, which is mm-hmm. you know melodrama is kind of meant to do that, um, yeah. to a certain degree. Um, I do think that Conrad Vite is really fucking good in this. Um, oh my god, it's, it's a it's a phenomenal performance, yeah, and uh, we'll talk about Miss Baclanova, who is also. Oh Um, my god! Very very good. Yeah, (laughs) you know, in a lot of ways. Um, And then uh, the guy who plays Ursus, Cesare Gravina, I think he's uh, I think he's he's good. I I would like to see him more stuff. Um, Other than that, all the other characters kind of you know fell by the wayside a little bit for me.
1: Right, right, yeah. No, I I feel pretty much the same way on this. Not strictly horror. I like there. There is definitely like a lot of horrific stuff, like sort of front loaded in this film. Yeah. Early on, you got the whole thing about the deformation, right? You you you've, so I mean, our our main character has that sort of Glasgow smile or Cheshire yeah. grin, which is become a common thing with sort of like British and Irish uh, crime syndicates, right. you know, yeah. to punish people but uh, there's this thing of, uh, and what are they called the compra the compra chicos I, I, I believe it is sure. it's, it, it was, uh, I think it was a term that was actually created by Victor Hugo kind of for the, the sort of uh, gypsy subculture that were buying children and then deforming them and selling them
2: Right? No, I I do not know. I do not know
1: that. that I, I, you know, yeah, I was I was reading into it because I was like, this can't be a thing, right? And then I was reading into it, and it was like, no, it legit was a thing in England oh. at the time in the 17th century. Uh, didn't apparently it didn't last outside of the 17th century, thankfully. But apparently, this was uh, people who would buy children or kidnap children, most likely. Mm-hmm. And break their bones or deform their bodies in other ways to make them into sideshow freaks, and then sell them to either carnivals or aristocrats uh, for their pleasure.
2: Lee, that's just capitalism. I don't know what you're. I don't know (laughs) you. You with your morally judgmental tone. I mean, I'm a so uh, ...deforming small children. It's just get this out of an audience. That is
1: you are You are discussing manly. I I mean, I'm just free market at work. I'm just a socialist Canadian who, you know, is <laughs> suffering from a failing healthcare system right now. It's it's, it's terrible.
2: It's lovely. It's lovely. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But no, like, I, I liked that detail to this. Like, <clears throat> that's creepy as shit. Early on, you, you've got the talk of the deformation, you've got young uh, Gwynplaine walking through this snowstorm, comes upon the dead mother of Dea. You know, what? retrieves her like, and as he's doing it, like at one point he walks by all these swinging gallows in the storm, which is just a great image, oh, yeah. um, very, very effective stuff. And then, of course, he runs into Ursus, who is basically Hermit Doc Brown kind of. He looks <laughs> like you know, but yeah, and then it—he's like the it's,
2: traveling salesman, almost like professor scientist type. You know, I mean, they're they're talking about it as, like kind of kind of a uh, uh, um, you know, like a like a. Peasant philosopher, kind of figure.
1: Um, he's, uh, the, the term I saw was, uh, he, <clears throat> he falls under the category of a mountback. Yes. Which, which, uh, apparently <clears throat> is, for, from what I can gather, basically it's the, uh, progenitor of, like, the carny kind of. Right, like, right, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so he's, you know, he's a flim flam man. He, you know, he, he puts on, you know, Freak shows and, and games and stuff like that—that that, that kind of subculture kind of thing right, right, right. kind of originated from this. And of course, you know, so Ursus does take in uh, Gwynplaine as as basically his son ostensibly, yep. but at the same time, you know, kind of uses him as well. Uh, you know, as for money. Well, what else are you going to do? You got you
2: got yeah. you got a child here who's been deformed. I mean, you know, I mean, you got to make that money. You know, make that child <laughs> have that living. You know, there's a, there's no other. No other option, but... To, I, I,
1: yeah, uh, although, you know, it's not quite as sinister as, like, Liam Neeson and fucking Buster Scrubs. you know? <laughs> no, not,
2: not quite to that level, no. Mm. I mean, they do kind of become this little weird family unit, which i want yeah. gonna... It's even weirder when, like, suddenly she's also the love interest.
1: That's uh, the that, that is
2: weird because she's very like sixteen fifties to me. Like you know, because <laughs> <like, you know? laughs> he's he's Where gonna be you like only really know four people in your life, and of course, like you you know, you eventually you're just gonna you're gonna want to fuck, and you're just gonna fuck one of those four people.
1: And well, I that's mean this
2: is the reality.
1: <laughs> I mean, this is this is twenty twenty porn hub stuff right here. It's yeah, like you're yeah. not really yeah. my sister by blood. No, so, there's I mean... definitely you know
2: they have a rule. I was like, listening to a podcast with like a, a porn star kind of talking about like who does yes. some of that like stepsister like porn stuff. Eh. And as she's like, Yeah, you know, we're we're required in every scene to say stepsister at least three times or Oh, yeah. brother or step sibling. You know, we have to like make that clear. And it has like the credit card processors won't let us do the scene unless we say it at least three times and that's like that is fucked the fuck
1: up (laughs) i i I believe that yeah because you know i i definitely you know doing research of course uh deep research yeah it's like oh man i can't believe i'm fucking my stepsister oh yeah i can't believe i'm being fucked by my stepbrother (laughs) who's not related to me by blood like, they literally say that during, you know, the sex talk. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, fuck me in my ass because you're my stepbrother and we're not related by blood. There's, 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 It's not really wrong, but let's get it done before our parents come home. Yeah, before our parents, who are not actually related to
2: us. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a this is a tangent. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but but come, also come come to listen to uh an intellectual conversation about silent film, stay for the stepsister porn chat.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My family pies. See it on Pornhub. But yeah, no, going into what you're talking about, uh some of the shots in this. So at first I thought this was because like you, I'd never seen this before, so I didn't know what to expect. I thought this was all going to be on stages, you know, like, it looked like it was going to be very contained, and then you get that fucking carnival scene, and that's yeah. great, and you get a shot on the actual Ferris wheel, yeah. which is, yeah. You get a shot, like, following the crowd into, like, the the carny, into
2: the, um, uh, into the laughing, uh, the man who laughs at Zippet, um, you know, uh, which is, like, a really, like, astonishing-looking shot, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um... I mean, there is that kind of <laughs> there's that kind of thing that before sound, you didn't have to uh, wire the camera. Like, you didn't have to wire the camera anywhere. You could just, like, film, and you, you could just kind of do the thing. I think a lot more static after the need for dialogue, because suddenly you have right. to like, hook it up to microphones. And, like, the whole process, like, <laughs> you know, 80 years of film, we're just learning how to not have the wires connected <laughs> anymore and get, like, <laughs> proper sound, um, which is kind of an interesting evolution. I remember, like, in around 2002... When like digital
1: video started to be a thing, it's like suddenly we can move our camera around again. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I mean that. I think that's just a perfect sort of transition to this. This is a Universal picture. It it is in a way kind of a Universal horror, but not really. This film was one of uh, the early Universal picture productions that made the transition from silent films to sound films. So this is technically both a silent film and a sound film, I guess. Um, they used the movie tone sound system introduced by William Fox. This film was completed using sound effects and a music score that was synchronized with the actual film, which is yeah. you know kind of. I,
2: I think I think the purist would consider this not a silent film, despite right. the fact it has uh, intertitles. And uh, so here's the thing with the like spoken dialogue: you hear the voices of the the crowds, mm-hmm. uh, whether you know kind of like calling out people's names and, like, laughing and and crying and et cetera, et cetera. Um, But you don't hear any um, dialogue from our protagonists. Like, that's all completely silent. And I feel like, you know, that's where we were kind of, (laughs) like, playing with whether that counts as technically dialogue or not, because I don't think it's synced up with any, like, voices or any, like, like, you don't see anybody. No. It it almost, um... um... It's it's like ambient sound almost, you know. It's more, um, you know, MOS or, um, uh, you know, not voiceover, but uh, you know what I'm trying to say. It's 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 uh it's kind of built into the world. We're listening to the world around our main characters, as opposed to uh, listening to the characters, which is a fascinating well, thing to kind of absorb as a as an audience member.
1: The, the, and the way it's done, like 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 you said, yeah, it's it's not necessarily synced up with the crowd that's actually there. So. Although, you know, it's playing with the crowd, but it, it doesn't necessarily sound like what the crowd is actually saying or doing. And it, we get the reaction shots uh, from uh, Gwynplaine, just with Conrad Veidt's acting and the looks he gives. It almost feels like you're kind of getting internal... I don't even know if this was in- it was intended or not... But it feels like you're getting internally into his head on what he bas- basically what he hears every time yeah. he goes out and performs, right? Oh yeah,
2: no, definitely. I mean, and it, and it is like it is one of those things where like the film is sort of like suggesting that you know Gwynplaine is a you know a noble man, a sort of man of the people, despite of his you know kind of noble birth, because through this deformity he's been kind of like there is a little bit of that kind of magical you know you've been deformed, yeah. so you have a heart of gold now, et cetera, and the the blind girl. Um is you know just kind of like this sancted uh, figure to a certain degree. and um <clears throat> there is this sense that like he does have this kind of man of the people attitude about him through kind of like living the life that he's lived. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, the masses are not perceived as being like particularly kind <laughs> in no. any sense It's a pretty hellish existence to uh, you know kind of exist in this like I have rigor mortis in my face and therefore, I'm a sideshow freak and uh this is how I'm forced to make my living. Although I do wonder like can't you go be a cobbler or something, you know? <laughs> like can you go be a craftsman, <laughs> you know? Or, don't you have other options in your life? But I guess, you know, this is the this is the life you live, you
1: know. But, I mean, in in a way, like I mean, he was deformed so early on, he's essentially kind of born into this trade, right. so Yeah. 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 We move on. We get some uh Nice uh, nudity here. Uh, do, we yeah. You get the uh, Porky's moment. Um,
0: we get some the, people uh,
2: action. Olga, where, back where the, where the guy like bends over and leans through the keyhole. And then uh, Olga starts uh, undressing. And um, th- that moment, our uh, our um, anti-Semitic caricature. You know <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, like, pulls a piece of paper out of the guy's hand and is, like, Mm -hmm. reading it over his shoulder, not even glancing at it. We get, like, a good 30-second shot of him, like, Reading the thing, and then you get like the close up of like it kind of it's revealing the identity of Windplane, etc. And then the guy's a little late. like you almost see him like sitting there, starting to beat off while he's <laughs> looking, looking <laughs> through the ski hole, completely oblivious to anything that's happening around him. You know, I mean, I'm
1: not blaming him.
2: I am also <laughs> not blaming him. Uh, we do have this uh, habit of picking up podcast girlfriends, and I think we have found another one.
1: She's on um, the list. Definitely, she is, uh, she's quite good here.
2: Her um, performance when she goes, she's gorgeous, which she is. And you actually mm-hmm. do get some nudity here, which is yep. uh, very appreciated. I think we do have this kind of habit of kind of thinking all old movies are kind of like uh, chaste, uh, mm-hmm. but this is the Roaring Twenties and this is pre-code, so uh, you they got away with a lot more. There's like a five-year period where suddenly, like, you started to see a lot more of this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a, like an overtly sensual performance. I mean, she is, she's probably not a great human being. <laughs> no, 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 time, no. At the same time. You know, she's portrayed as, you know, I'm sexually liberated, I'm kind of going around, I'm fucking around, I'm having a good time. You know, on that level, nothing particularly wrong with that, you know, if that's the way she wants to yeah, do the, the thing, the, you know?
1: the, what, There's a sort of backstory of a power play where if, if Gwynplaine comes back into the aristocracy because he's a rightful heir to his father's seat, Yep. In sort of the court, they could basically you know consolidate a bunch of power and make a lot of money and shit. It would be good for everybody in the aristocracy uh, right, apparently because right. Queen Anne right now is like she's just kind of pissed off that our tramp here is basically <laughs> slumming around with 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 the, the locals, the Duchess, the Duchess, the Duchess. Yeah, and she's you know, and she's right in the fucking Gwynplaine. Like she's she she goes to see him. In a performance, and you know, even if it's not necessarily so much lust as it is, I just want to own this guy because he's interesting. She pretty much straight up has an orgasm while she's watching him perform. Like the the facials she does, wow! Like I was like, is this in this movie? Is this happening? Apparently she's
2: got a little bit of a, a little bit of a fetish there, you know? Like, yeah. You know? Like, I don't know. Like it, it was definitely kind of a like it is it is kind of difficult to explain exactly what she sees there. That's like yeah. what, the, what the point of it is. Particularly alongside the performance. Like I could see if it was just sort of like this possession or this sort of like idea of like I wanna do like Bring this person in as a like a humiliation or as like an object for my entertainment or whatever. Yeah. But in the performance, you get like, no, she's super into this guy. Yeah.
0: You know?
2: <laughs> and then like uh, later on, she like invites him. Like he kind of ends up showing up to the to her bedroom and she's basically just falling all over him. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, but I must remain pure for the uh, blind girl who loves me for who I am. Despite the fact that she, despite the fact that we're both like thirty years old or whatever, has never. Touched my. That's not that, I, I was gonna bring that up. It's like, <laughs> like come on,
1: like come like, on. She's blind. She like, touches people's faces to see yeah. them.
2: And you've known her since you were children. Like this is not, you know, what yeah. I mean? Like she, the the most like pertinent. Like what does she think he's doing on the shows every night? Like what mm-hmm. is like, you know, the the level the level of like you have to be actually mentally brain damaged <laughs> to buy that certain like the like the, the, the level of you know we talked about like the ditziness of the 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 girl in the general like mm-hmm. this is that to the point of like actual like brain damage yeah D- in terms of that yeah, character. daya you does know, not look good it, it makes the character that much less appealing just because mm-hmm. she has to be so in the dark that she has no characterization of her own
1: right you know yeah she just feels really dumb. Like, and it would
2: be one thing if, like, we sort of got the sense that, like, Gwynplaine had kind of gone off for a while and come back, and then, like, it mm-hmm. was, like, a kind of, they got reunited, and she was, like, if there was some kind of, like, justification for how she's never, like, known that this was true of him, you right. know?
1: But, yeah, no, this feels, this feels very, <laughs> like, uh, Maybe they should have cut off her hands or something. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's anything. Anything, man. Like, this is, it's, it's just so... It's too hard so, to, like, really and so buy. Well,
2: and so, well, like, you know, I'm not saying the Duchess is a good person, but I am saying if you got, like, Daya here who, you know, dumb as a stump or sexually voracious Duchess who can live you give you a life in luxury,
1: I don't know, like, you know, you know I,
2: can, I can work within the system here. There's,
1: there is some moral sort of, like, middle ground I can go with there because <laughs> the aristocracy make it seem like Gwynplaine is dead, they all think he's dead, so it's yeah. like you could you could just you could stay in the castle and and fuck the Duchess for the rest of your life, yeah,
2: which might only be twenty minutes until like they uh you know arrange to uh transfer the title over to someone else, so there is that element I mean, I do wonder like how much of this is it I haven't read the Hugo obviously. Um, I do wonder how much, you know, if Victor Hugo might have, like, seen some of the problems with this.
1: I think he did, because Gwynplaine and Dea die in the original novel, apparently, so... Uh, But, yeah. Yeah, no, I I like it. It, It's got some problems. It's a bit too long. But, I mean, you can't get past how iconic this stuff looks. I mean, although, you know, it's not a technically universal horror film, I think one of the big things about this, besides the fact that it's important because it's the sort of middle point between talkies and silent films, like it's kind of that transition film, one of them at least, it's, when you look at the makeup and the set design in this, that really maps out what the classic universal horror films were going to be doing for the next 20 years. Though they'll be sort of taking that and building upon it, I think just that alone makes this forget the fucking joker stuff i think that alone makes this an important film uh not just as you know a good film anyway but like important in film history because it it kind of really did inform all those classic universal horror films that were to come no definitely
0: definitely
2: um yeah clearly clearly the uh i mean again the look of it the um the um german expressionism stuff is just uh you know essential to um you know kind of understanding you kind know, of what's going on here, and uh, yeah, no, um, it's <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's quite good. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, we've been kind of like uh, shitting on it a bit just for you know, some of the silliness kind of at the, mm-hmm. at the heart of it, and some of the um, you know, some of the stuff that just kind of comes along with the genre, but it does just come with along with the genre, and I think there's a lot to really like here. Um, this isn't on my kind of best of the year, uh. I don't mm-hmm. I don't I don't suspect it. but you know, also we're watching some of the greatest films, except for made. so for yeah. maids you know, like you know, real tough, you know, uh to to it might have been on, you know, I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to kinda dig in. Would this have been on like my best of the year last year, you know, when you know we didn't have quite as great a selection to pick from. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um,
1: I am I'm, I'm thinking it's kinda it, it might slip into my honorable mentions. Sure. 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 Yeah. I mean, but Connor
2: is amazing here. Mm-hmm. Um and he has this um really really great speech. Which apparently the uh, the extras when he gives when he delivers these lines actually uh, like apparently they like cheered after he was done because of like what a great performance it is and he has this you know bit like now I am a man you know like you, there's a, yeah. I forget
1: what the exact dialogue is but it's something like it was you know, like a, the, the the king the, you know. made me a clown yeah uh, the, the made queen me made, me lord, the made me a God lord but God made me a man before that yeah
2: right and like and that's that's very Victor Hugo that's just very like straight yeah. out of like that kind of um, you know uh, philosophical tradition and that sort of like you know breaking free of
1: class structure and class division. Yeah, you know, I, I deserve kind of respect and, describe, no yeah, matter what my class. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, and then they go and live happily ever after.
1: Apparently, after yeah. know, some daring do with some swords, and um, and uh, Homo bites uh, <laughs> the throat out of the Chester. And... <laughs> yep.
2: Yep. Yep. No, uh, you know, I mean it, that's what I'm saying. Like the dog, you know, the wolf named Homo. <laughs> you know, the wolf named man, you know, yeah. because, you know, and, and the, the, I mean, you know, that's like, that's yeah, a little on the nose, but they get a lot about the film is a little on the nose, yeah, um, yeah. you know, but um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I think uh, we, we didn't really talk at all about the, that sort of action sequence, I don't know that we really have to, but, I mean, I think there is some really nice stuff in that, that kind of, like, extended action sequence uh, towards the end that lasts, like, 15 minutes.
1: Um, Yeah, no, like, it it looks like, technically, this film is fucking great. Like, it it just looks good. I mean... I, I, I
2: I feel like you could almost, like, the first 30 minutes and then, like, the last 30 minutes... Yeah. ...are, like, really good, and there's just kind of a bunch of stuff in the middle that just sort of muddles through a little bit that it just feels like it's a little bit loose it's a little bit kind of iffy but there's still some good stuff kind of buried in there but uh, like i feel like it's it's really easy to kind of drift off a little bit during that sequence
1: yeah yeah just a couple other things i'll mention um early on when king james ii is is shown sleeping in his room imagine Mm -hmm. sleeping in that fucking room with those statues (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck I was just thinking, weeping angels from Doctor Who, right there. Yeah. I was like, yeah. no, <laughs> I, ain't, nice. <laughs> I ain't sleeping in that shit. Other thing I'll mention, and this is a this is a thing that I just sort of learned in the last uh, few months, actually. So, iron maidens, they're total yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. The existence of iron maidens as torture devices is apparently. A lot of just misconception and a lot of wishful thinking from, you know, people, and it became a tourism thing. Right. And, right. and yeah, apparently they never...
2: People were definitely tortured in yeah. this era. The Iron Maiden is, like, the thing that, like, there were there was some, like, drawings that were never built and that sort of thing. Like, it, was, it feels like it's something that was, like, sort of a Victorian invention, mm-hmm. or kind of an Edwardian invention. Sorry, not Edwardian. What's anyway it's, it's Victorian
1: and Edwardian
2: yeah right right so it's this sort of 19th century invention kind of looking back to the 17th century and such so you uh. know, kind of medieval
1: um, era
2: so so it's it's it's, ahistorical. But, um, uh. it's a but it's still a really effective scene
1: <laughs> oh yeah no it looks it looks good and I mean the the, the way the spikes are done in the one they show it's it's not the usual one where there's like a million spikes. It's just like three or four really big spikes, and no. they're all going into like his legs and lower extremities. And it's like, oh shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. The the versions I always saw were the ones where they had like the two spikes going into the eyes, like that's yeah. Supposed to be like the you know the the big you know scary bit is like you're, you know you're gonna get the the zombie two treatment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and one last thing, and this is just uh, speaking to yes, there are some big comedic moments in this. So we have this, like, court of, you know, uh, foppish aristocrats in wigs, you know? And, mm-hmm. and and it is so incredibly boring and bullshit. And, then, of course, that's kind of why the Duchess just wants to go to the carnival and fuck a bunch of commoners, because she doesn't want to sit in court listening to, like, violin music and <laughs> nodding off. All the people in the court yawn in unison at, at one point, which <laughs> nice. is just... It's just it's fucking amazing. I love that. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll just do a quick little bit of trivia here. Not a lot. Uh, Universal put over one million dollars into this, apparently. Um,
2: I mean, you I, can tell it
1: looks it looks it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the box office returns were. I couldn't find that. This was made it twice for a while, so I can't imagine it was
2: like a huge hit.
1: Right. Honestly. Right. This was made twice before Path uh, Films, uh, which we've uh, encountered before in this series, had produced uh, Le Homme Qui Rit in France in 1908, and the Austrian film company Olympic Film released a low-budget German version in 1921 as Das Grinsendi Gritscht. I probably totally fucked that up.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Italian director Sergio Cabrucci made a 1966 version of this, Called Le Humo Che Ride. Well, we
2: definitely have put that. Of course, Bucci did a version of this. Yeah, that's yeah, that. that. That spiked uh, the,
1: that. Yeah. That spiked that's, my interest. That's a, that's parallel to the Great Silence, right there. Honestly, yeah, you know, I'm I just like, what the fuck. And Jean <laughs> Kirchbronn directed a three-part French television film adaptation, 1971, and then Jean-Pierre Armas directed another French-language version. of also called La Home Curit, which was released in 2012, and that has uh, Gerard Depardieu in the Ursus uh, role, apparently. Uh, So, one last thing here, and this is a testament to uh, Conrad Veidt's performance here. Gwynplaine's grotesque run was achieved with uh, prosthesis. Uh, Conrad Veidt was fitted with a set of dentures that had metal hooks, to pull back the corners uh, of his mouth. Uh,
2: I was wondering how he managed that for, for, like, I was like, that's some really impressive performance right there, which it still is, but, mm-hmm. yeah, like, so for the entire shoot, he's got, like, these things, like, digging into the inside of his cheeks.
1: Yeah, so he, so, of course, he, <laughs> that he could... That sounds like fun. So, so, of course, he cannot speak when the dentures are in. The only scene in which he did not wear the prosthesis was the scene where he is ravished by the, uh, duchess. So, uh... Well, okay, you know, doubly good scene for
0: a mm-hmm. right there. You know,
1: I get this shit out of my mouth, and I got Olga like you know yeah. gyrating over me. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah
1: fine. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's that's it. How, uh, how did you watch this? I found it on Daily Motion. Daily Motion, same thing. yep. Yeah. 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 and of course,
2: surprisingly hard to find.
1: It is. Yeah, and so you know. Uh, Go to Daily Motion. You'll get that version. You'll get cra- you'll get the sort of the original crowd noise that was put into this film, and you also get uh, the other notable thing: the, the soundtrack. One of the songs actually has singing over it. Like it's yeah. actually someone singing during the the song. So yeah. yeah. What are we doing next episode, Daniel?
2: Um, well, I got a couple of westerns lined up. If you want to do a couple of couple of twenties westerns uh, next week, that sounds um, good. In Old Arizona from nineteen twenty eight and The Virginian from nineteen twenty nine.
1: Sounds like that's what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, we have a plan, little surprise plan. Well, it's not a surprise because I'm going to spoil it right now. So episode 200, we're going to time travel. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a little, a little jump in the DeLorean. Uh, we're going to go to the future. To, to 1985, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> in the DeLorean, yep. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about Day of the Dead. Yep. And was the plan? Are we going to still stick to this that we'll just take, like, a month or whatever, and just do nineteen eighty-five films, and then jump back.
2: Yeah, no, I think we can we can jump jump ahead and uh, start not necessarily do everything from eighty-five, but do some stuff in the eighties just to give us a little bit of a break, maybe. And uh, mm-hmm. well, not that we're not enjoying this, but you know, also kind of, you, know, well, you know, the whole thing was don't move backwards. So then yeah. we just move forward and then like we can just jump jump all the way back and then kind of start start back from the beginning. Maybe hit a couple of the ones that we kind of skipped over already. But yeah, I think I think do some stuff from the 80s and 90s just to give us a little bit of a um, palate cleanser I think it'd be nice.
1: Yeah, and I mean if you subscribe to the time travel idea that if you, you know, go back and forth in time, you actually go to a parallel dimension, technically we're not going back Right. You know, you know, we're we're not fucking it up. We're just in another dimension, so everything resets. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, we
2: will, we will. Um, James Murphy will be upset at us for um, not, um, you know, obeying the edict of not uh, hitting uh, the forties until the middle of the year. But uh, you know, we aim to
1: displease James Murphy. That's, that's cool. I mean, you know, this is just more of us fucking with our audience. And I mean, <laughs> and I mean, here here's the thing. Here's the big. Here's the thing, James. You're wrong about this movie being a silent movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. what the hell do you know anyway? <laughs> I'm yeah. just putting it out there. It's like, yeah. and if if you have a problem with it, James, come on one of our episodes and fight me. There, come on all of our episodes and fight me. Yeah, stop welcome. Stop! Stop
2: being a recluse. Our our, our, our Canadian friend is getting
1: uh, 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 hostile. I am. Yeah, I'm getting really I'm I'm really I'm really missing doing podcasts with James and yeah, no, he keeps that. teasing me, Oh, we, we need to start up City of the Dead again. And I'm like, Well I'm here, motherfucker, let's do it. <laughs> and he's like, Well now I got a garden to to like manage. I'm like, well, okay. He has
2: a lovely wife who he
1: does, you know, yeah. would like his attention. I do too, <sighs> I just don't let it stop me. <laughs> You're still going to the uh, the the, uh, the fair and uh, carousing with the ruffians. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we're going to be back with some Westerns next time. Yeah. Goodbye. You.
0: Goodbye. Bye.
1: Been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.